The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. K Studios, the Phillies play here. Sports Radio 94, WIP, a radio.com sports station. Hour in the books, three left to play. Johnny Mack on a Tuesday night here with you on 94. WIP, yes, we're still getting all over the Eagles. And we'll do so for the rest of this hour. 12 o'clock, we're going to uh, flip a little bit, go a little six and talk in, because Kyle Newbeck is going to join us. His compatriot from Philly Voice is on with us now. You also can read him on SI.com and his podcast, um, Extending the Play, one of the best bird podcasts in town. Uh, Johnny McMullen joins me here on 94WIP. Jay Mack, how was your new year? Uh, good, Jody. Happy new year to you. The same to you, yours, and uh, I hope you had a cocktail because you probably needed one after the Eagle game on Sunday. So hopefully you got started a little earlier on New Year's Eve. All right, uh, let's start with probably an unfair question um, I, that, that I should know the answer to, and I think I've asked you before, but shame, I mean, my memory stinks now, and I forgot. Home games, have you been going down to the stadium, or are you just doing your writing and Zooming from home watching it on TV like the rest of us? No, I, I, I've been at all the home games, uh, a few road games, Washington, Pittsburgh, um, but obviously um, big-time travel is out the window right. this year. Yeah, but at the link for all the home games. Good. Um, when Nate Sudfeld trotted out onto the field, for those who were in the press box with you, not the usual crowded press box to the gills because COVID does have its effect on who's covering the Eagles and how many are actually there, but you had a good number of compatriots with you. What was the buzz? What was being said? Uh, how much of an uproar, and that's my word I'm using, if it was, uh, please tell me if it wasn't, was there in the press box at that time? Uh, I, I wouldn't say uproar. I, I mean, I think most knew that Nate was scheduled to play uh, at some point. Doug had sort of let the cat out of the bag to doing some some of the pre-TV work. Uh, he mentioned uh, Nate was going to get in the game. Um, so it, it wasn't uh, that big of a surprise. I, I think the, the part that changed things uh, a little bit was – the fact that the game was so close. And I think that is where things shifted a little bit. I mean, let's be honest. If you're throwing out Matt Pryor at left tackle, Brett Toth at right tackle against Chase Young and Montez Sweat, I mean, 
Rudy Ford's playing outside corner. I, I, to be honest, I think the Eagles kind of thought they'd be down 24-10, you know, maybe at halftime, and then Nate would come in and nobody would blink an eye. Um, so I, I, the fact that it was 17-14, they were in the game, the defense was playing so well, uh, despite being so shorthanded, I, I think that's the part that, that shifted things, and, and people thought Doug should have tried to win the game at that point, and um, he stuck to the original plan, which he claims was his own, and I don't know if I necessarily believe him there, to be honest. Understood. Most people don't. Um, you did say one thing there. Uh, the defense played surprisingly well. Did they really, or does Washington's offense just stink? Yeah, that's fair. That's possible. And Alex is not healthy. I mentioned, uh, uh, I think, on your show uh, and certainly others, I mean, those calf injuries are generally, you know, once you're out, those are kind of four-week injuries. So once he was out two weeks, probably shouldn't have been playing. Um, And, you know, Ron Rivera's already said this week, Taylor Heineke might get some action because he's not completely healthy. So I, I think that played into it as well. And remember, Terry McLaurin played. Antonio Gibson played, but they didn't practice all week. And if it were game six, uh, middle of the season, something like that, those guys probably wouldn't have played. So, uh, and, and you're right. I mean, even if everybody is healthy, that's not a great offense. So that certainly played into it as well. But uh, on the other hand, I do give that group credit to defense. And Jim Schwartz's last game with the Eagles, I, I think that, maybe hyped him up a little bit, but I, I mean, Rudy Ford is a safety and a special teams player and he's playing outside corner. They had two cornerbacks in that game dressed. Uh, that's an NFL team, Washington. Um, it's still pretty impressive. I think what the defense okay, that's, to do. that's fair enough. I, I thought they were really poor on offense, but you're right with as many reserves as they had in the lineup and guys with so little experience, uh, you got to give them at least some credit there. Um, since you went there, uh, and it's probably a story that's being underanalyzed because of everything else that surrounded this last game of the year. How big a loss is Jim Schwartz? Yeah, I think he's a big loss. I, I, I think he's a top five defensive coordinator in this league. I, I think you've seen, you know, coming into the season, I, I, I tweeted this out. The Eagles, I, I don't think people realize this. It's a pretty significant um, span. You know, it's not a small sample size. You're talking about 2016 to 2019. So you're talking four seasons. Uh, the Eagles were top ten, number one rushing defense, number one in the entire NFL over a four-year span. They were number two in third-down defense. They were top ten in red zone defense, top ten in scoring defense, top ten in takeaways. I, I mean, I, I I often talk about this, and, and this is not a criticism of, of the Philadelphia fan base, but they're very provincial. I think every local fan base is provincial. In other words, they don't watch other teams. It is really hard to play defense in the modern NFL. Right. And if you're top 10 in those important statistics, you're getting the job done. And I, I don't think enough people recognized it. And, and then, other than the defensive line, which has always been well-stocked, and that's how the Eagles build, and that's how Jim builds, 
and you have Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, and they've been always good uh, on the defensive line. The back seven for the majority of his time here, yeah, you had Malcolm Jenkins, um, you had Jordan Hicks, and then at least Nigel Bradham, some veterans. Wasn't great compared to other teams, the back seven. So I, I think the result was always greater than the sum of its parts, and that to me says good coach. Agreed. And the funny thing about it is, and I've been in town a little longer than you, so I go back to Buddy Ryan his last year as my first year in town was his last year as a head coach. And uh, there were fans in this town that wanted to build a statue to him, even though he never won a playoff game. But you go from Buddy Ryan to Bud Carson to Jim Johnson, and all three of those guys were uber-aggressive defensive coaches. And Schwartz never was. He played his style of defense, and he wasn't going to change, and they drafted players to fit his type of style of defense. But the fan base, at least those that I relate with over the last 30 years, want to see blood, guts, uh, send the house, uh, kill the other team's quarterback. And that was never Schwartz's way of doing things, and that's why I think some people underestimate actually what he got accomplished during his four years here. No, and, and, and I think you bring up it was a different game when Buddy was here. It was a different game when Bud was It was a different game. You go back 10 years. You go back 15 years. It was a different game. You can't dominate on defense like you could back then. You just can't. Um, and you see it with the quarterback. Some, I, I mean, most notably Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I mean, these are 40-year-old guys. Could you imagine them playing? In 1985, when Buddy was with the Bears, those guys would have been killed. They they couldn't. I, I mean, that's how drastically the NFL has shifted for a number of reasons. Uh, a lot of them safety related. Uh, you just have to go about it uh, a different way. And then the second part, I, I think, is also if you want to go back to another um, oldie, Jim Wasburn. And the wide nine, you know, people in this town hate the wide nine because of Jim Washburn. Now, it's a lot of people think it's a defense. It's not a defense. It's a technique for defensive linemen. Um, But Jim believes in it. Uh, It's been very successful for this organization. But sometimes things like that are, are tough for fans to get over. We're talking to my buddy uh, Johnny Mack from uh, Philly Voice and SI. Uh, John McClone here with us on 94 WIP. All right, uh, we need to get to the quarterbacks. Um, My personal opinion is that the information that has been coming out over the last several weeks, uh, mostly on a national basis, but some with uh, other uh, local um, people reporting it at around the same time or confirming it, um, that have been out there about Carson Wentz, that uh, he wants to be traded, that his relationship is fractured with both the Eagles and Doug Peterson. And then a report today that comes out from Associated Press, Rob Motti, that says uh, Carson uh, needs some time to think about his relationship with the Eagles and hopes it doesn't have to end in a divorce. It's kind of conflicting. Uh, the reports are uh, changing a little bit. And I don't know where these reports are coming from. I can give you my opinion. 
I think it's all been Carson Wentz and or Carson Wentz's camp. I don't think the Eagles have contributed to this. Anytime you've got a situation, it's the team, it's the coach, it's the player. It can be a lot of different uh, places where a uh, thought process is coming from. I thought all along it was Carson Wentz. Do you have any ideas, assumptions on where these reports are coming from and what do you read into them? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can tell you 100%. It's not from the Eagles' side, any of it. So, I, yeah, I mean, uh, the Chris Mortensen stuff, that's that's Carson's camp. That's his agents. Um, that's sort of how you do things in this league. And then, you know, Rob's very close to Carson. Um, uh, Rob is very uh, – Rob's a good friend of mine. Rob's very religious. He and Carson have a lot in common uh, from that perspective. Um, so that's coming from Carson's camp, very close to Carson. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, it's the agent's job to, to do the best they can for their client. Uh, and I, and I do think that Carson would not mind leaving, um, Philadelphia, uh, and starting a new somewhere else, um, However, there are significant, we've mentioned on the show, I've mentioned it with you, I'm sure you know, there are significant hurdles right. uh, to moving him. Not that they can't be overcome, anything can be overcome, but there are significant, significant hurdles. And from the Eagles' perspective, you not only have to get over those hurdles, but you also want to get some value in return. And remember, this is a guy who's coming off a, a terrible season. It was benched for a rookie quarterback and hasn't played for a month. It's not exactly uh, selling high. So I, I think everyone looks at this and says the more likely scenario is that Carson's going to be back with the Philadelphia Eagles uh, and that he'll be given one more chance uh, to seize this job. And I think at some point he's probably going to come to those same kind of grips, and I think we're in the process of that. So if you feel the same way I do, which you just said you do, that uh, all these reports have come from the Carson Wentz side, not the Eagles side, why do you about face today? Because it had been uh, wants to be traded, desire to be traded, fractured relationship, boom, today it was through Rob Motti, well, he hopes that it doesn't have to end in a divorce. He needs some time yet to think and hopes it doesn't end in a divorce. That's pretty much a 180 in my book. Why the change? Well, I think it's coming from two different people. Again, the agents have uh, a different uh, sort of look at this. And, and, again, they're trying to do the best for their clients. And um, probably the best way to go about it is to um, – Make sure uh, the Eagles understand that uh, the best scenario from their perspective is probably a, a, a new start somewhere else. And then uh, from closer to Carson's perspective, I mean, remember, he's a guy who has done a lot for the community, does a lot off the field as well. Um, I, I don't think he necessarily says, okay, I'm done with Philadelphia. It hasn't meant anything to me. So I think it's more uh, emotional uh, as you get closer to him uh, than it is for the agent. So I, I think ultimately um, everybody will get on the same page. And 
I think a lot of it comes down, by the way, we haven't even mentioned this, Jody. I think a lot of it comes down from the Eagles' perspective and how they evaluate the player. I mean, the one thing, if the Eagles say to themselves, you know what, I don't think we can salvage him. I think he's too far gone as a player. Then everybody gets on the same page. And that that page is um, moving on and, and trying to get Carson a second opportunity somewhere else. So I think the Eagles will get involved in this as well, and their evaluation will have a lot to do with it. All right. So uh, there had been speculation. You, me, everybody else who covers the Eagles, any Eagle fan in town had good-natured speculation on the Eagles making changes off this god-awful season they had. And one of them was uh, Doug Peterson, not back as the head coach. We found out right before Game 17 that he would be coming back and, uh, we've heard absolutely nothing for uh, two days since, so we're all assuming he's perfectly fine staying on as the coach. Does that help in Carson Wentz staying here, or does that hurt in Carson Wentz staying here? What do you read into the retaining of Doug Peterson and how it plays in the Eagles' evaluation of Carson Wentz, the football player, like you were just discussing? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think in the short term, it probably hurts a little bit. Uh, I, I think the emotion of it, uh, look, Carson, it, it's just common sense. Obviously, he wasn't happy he was benched, and Doug benched him. And I think he did feel, um, you know, like Doug maybe wasn't loyal. Uh, but I do think at, at some point you have to understand uh, this is a business, I think. Um, and I've argued that essentially Carson benched himself uh, now, Doug probably lasted longer than most coaches would have lasted. Uh, so ultimately, that emotional stuff, and, and similar to, to Miles today on WIP, uh, I think that kind of stuff goes away. Uh, I don't think it has a long shelf life. Um, so they, they have a long history together. Um, and, you know, you're married, Jody. Uh, I'm married. and Sometimes you fight, but you get over it. Uh, I, I think that won't have a big of an impact. I think the bigger impact, the biggest impact, is at the Eagles' evaluation of the player. And I think ultimately they're going to default to if Lane Johnson was healthy, if Brandon Brooks was healthy, if Jason's there, um, if Isaac Sayamalu didn't miss eight games, if Andre Dillard was there, Carson wouldn't have had this great regression. That, that's ultimately my guess. And that's where it starts moving in the direction of he'll be back and be given another opportunity. Okay. Um, if they're going to trade Carson Wentz, which you're suggesting you don't think is, you're not discounting it as a possibility, but you're saying it's not a probability. you got to go yay, nay. You think Carson's coming back. I lean toward Carson being traded, or at least that would be if they gave me Howie Roseman's job, I would advise Jeff Laurie, here's what I want to try and do. I'd rather move on. But that's me. So you and I see it a little bit differently. That's perfectly fine. Um, if they're going to move him, they need to move him depending on reworking of contracts. And I've read every article that everybody's put out about what they could do, what Carson might be willing to It's all just guesswork at this point, so I can't put any uh, – wait on it until I know exactly what he is willing to do, if anything. Um, 
they're going to want to do it before the third day of the year because that's when the $10 million bonus gets paid. Uh, so there are some time restraints on this. They did improve their draft status with the loss the other night. And they are picking number six. And there are some talented quarterbacks in this draft. And Jalen Hurts did finish up one and three. If you are leaning toward Carson Wentz being somewhere else and they can get a decent return and trade for him, will the Eagles actually think about taking a quarterback at number six? Well, they have to if they decide to move on from Carson Wentz. You don't have to take a quarterback, but you have to consider it. I, I don't think they go into next season and say, oh, Jalen Hurts is starting quarterback he proved that i mean i think he got progressively worse uh part of that he had his worst game against washington part of that had to do as i mentioned with prior and top trying to block chase young and, and montez sweat it just wasn't going to work uh so some of that is understandable uh and he showed a, a lot of good signs that he could be a starting quarterback in this league but i don't think he can default to that so there's got to be some kind of competition. And I go back to Howie Roseman when he drafted Carson Wentz and when he traded up twice to get Carson Wentz. What he said is we don't plan on being up this high very often and what you have to take advantage of it when you're there. And he was talking about the quarterback position. So if they don't have a quarterback and if they trade Carson Wentz, and somebody like Justin Fields is there at six. Uh, you got to seriously consider it. That's what I said earlier. Justin Fields is there. Are, do you have you uh, gotten a chance to either watch breakdown film or uh, to listen? Uh, college uh, advisor, you have a guy who's opinion uh, you trust on Zach Wilson. I think people have. Uh, elevated him just a little too quickly. I saw his first couple games in season. I said, wow, this kid looks like a pro. And he just kept going from a uh, going back to school for his senior year to, hey, he could actually be drafted. To, hey, he could actually be drafted on the second day. To, hey, he could actually be a first rounder. And now they're talking about him going number two to the Jets. And I'm sorry, he just didn't improve that much over the course of the year. But some people it do think. Quick, Jerry. Yeah, I, I understand. I have not. I, I haven't gotten into the draft and my prep work, but the scouts in the league I talked to, the NFL people think very highly uh, of Zach Wilson. He's higher in, in most of their minds than Justin Fields, which I think has to do. You know, I always are. You never scout highlights. You never scout the helmet. Uh, that's what NFL people tell me. You know, if anything, look at the bad plays and look at how they respond to that. Uh, and, and obviously Justin was so good uh, in the semifinal. Um, I think people exploded, but he's very raw. Um, and, uh, you know, people look at, I, I think Zach Wilson more, you know, Justin Herbert would be a good example that NFL scouts thought uh, a little bit more of him, maybe than um, so-called draft Twitter, as I like to call it. Uh, but yeah, there's there's no there's no question, right? It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. It's going to be Zach Wilson as far as one two uh, quarterbacks. I think in this draft. Oh, I disagree with you. I think that uh, if uh, the quarterback of Ohio State goes out and beats Alabama this week, if what he did 
in his last game by outplaying Trevor Lawrence, by the way, didn't open up enough NFL scouts, general manager's eyes. Uh, he will do so next Monday night, and uh, I think the whole discussion will be over. I think the discussion is ludicrous to begin with. I think Fields is unquestionably the second-best quarterback and the second-best player in the draft. Um, if he drops down to number six, the Eagles well, will. It's not, I will say, it's a, as you know, Jody, it's not quarterback versus quarterback. Like Trevor is, you know, say what you want. I mean, people have been telling me for years, Trevor is the best prospect since Andrew Luck. Right. And Andrew Luck is probably, was probably the best one since, you know, maybe going back to uh, Peyton. You got to go all the way back to Peyton Manning. Yep. Uh, but uh, that's what they think of Trevor Lawrence. So, I, I mean, is there? That doesn't mean you're going to be a, a superstar in every game against every team, and sometimes you know um, things don't work out. But that doesn't that doesn't change how guys view him as as far as the scouting community goes. I, I don't think anyone. You know, look when you're talking about a guy as a potential top ten pick, they like Justin Fields. Uh, they just think he's uh, a a little bit of a work in progress. He hasn't played a lot. I think if you look at sort of the modern environments and, and dual threats, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to work uh, with there. But I, I do think there's going to be some growing pains at this level, um, and that happens with every young quarterback. But uh, I, I think most scouts feel a little bit more comfortable with a more finished product, and I think that's where. Um, they kind of default to. All right, a couple quickies, and you and I got off on a tangent that I didn't even know we were going to get off on, but it was a good tangent just the same. Um, top candidate to replace Schwartz, it's not going to be anyone on the staff, is it? They're going to go out and get someone who's an established defensive coordinator. Are they not? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, first of all, I, I, I mean, you know, people like names, obviously, and you know Wade Phillips. I mean, Wade's seventy-three years old. I'm not. I'm, I'm old. I'm not going to play the age card. But I, I don't think the Eagles and what Jeffrey Lurie uh, thinks himself as a forward thinker. I think he would want uh, sort of a young gun flavor of the month if they were going outside the building. Somebody like Dan Quinn. You know, you mentioned uh, Jim Swartz and why fans didn't embrace him. Well, they might know that name, but, you know, Dan's going to play a lot of cover three, and Eagles fans aren't going to like that. Hmm. Um, so I, 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 here's how I've explained it. If it's truly the Eagles have framed this as, as Jim uh, letting his contract expire, he's going to contemplate retirement. If that's truly the way this went, then I think you just elevate Matt Burke. Uh, to be the next defensive coordinator. He was the coordinator in Miami. He's very close to Jim. Uh, you move on with the same system. Uh, if this was a scapegoating thing and the Eagles were just letting him go out on his own, then I think they go outside the building. Okay, that will be uh, very interesting. Um, anything going to happen in the next week of interest? Uh, we now get the season done. Schwartz walked away. Uh, the coach is in place. The general manager's not going anywhere. Um, we got a couple of weeks of playoffs. 
You don't think anything drastic is going to happen within the Eagles for the next couple of weeks, do you? Uh, the, are you kidding me? The Philadelphia Eagles? They, this is this is a soap opera, Jody. I, I mean, they started their meetings, their evaluations. Um, you're going to have some coaches uh, fired. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, maybe on both sides of the football, as I just said, um, uh, with the defense, if if the scapegoating was really Jim Schwartz, maybe even Dave Fitt, the special teams coordinator. Uh, so there's going to be some changes okay. there. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they're going to start those evaluations. And I think they're going to make up their minds pretty quickly about whether they want to uh, repair things with Carson Wentz. So you're going to see um, continued whispers about that story uh, until the bitter end. No, well, if that's the case, it's good news for me because then I'm for me because then I'm going to put a call in on Tuesday next week to say, do you want to hop out with me, J Mac, uh, tonight at eleven o'clock? If there is specific you know, the NFL, Jenny, it never ends, man. That's one thing about this league; they've set up the calendar brilliantly. It goes right from the playoffs to the the Senior Bowl, the Combine, free agency, the draft. It never ends. And even in this very difficult year in which we all had to live, the NFL lived through it better than anybody else because their only real downtime was the worst time during the breakout of the coronavirus. So they've gotten all the way through their season, the regular season. I uh, Again, uh, I haven't mentioned this yet, but I feel so bad that a uh, Philly guy, coach of the Cleveland Browns, not going to be able to coach their first playoff uh, appearance in almost two decades and uh, Stefanski goes down with COVID, uh, I feel so badly for him. But the NFL itself is going on with the playoffs. They got all their regular season games. They only had uh, suspended games, no canceled games. They actually did it right. So you got to give them the tip of that cap because uh, they do know how to run their business. And you and I will discuss their business even during the offseason. I thank you very much for hopping on with me basically every week this year during the Eagles year. It was my pleasure. Thanks for the great insight, J-Mac. Hey, thank you, Jody. Appreciate it. John McMullen, phillyboyssi.com, and his Extending the Play podcast can be gotten where you get all your better podcasts. Uh, I would call it a must-listen for Eagle fans. Johnny Mac, hang with you on 94 WIP. Went along with Jay Mac. We'll- At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.